How's it going, everybody? This is Chris Adams with the Beyond the Blind podcast. You can find us on iTunes under BTBN, Podbean, the same name. Uh, Jump on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Check out BTBN for new giveaways, all that type of stuff, episode posts. And uh, yeah, just to see what's going on and who's coming up. Uh, This is episode 23. So we're going to be doing the duck call giveaway here this week. In the next couple days. So uh, make sure to get in the shares, subscribe on iTunes, comment, and leave a review that says uh, the duck call, rate it whatever you want it to be. And uh, if you want some extra entries into the duck call giveaway, make sure to uh, jump on Facebook and share different episodes and uh, jump back onto the BTBN page and uh, just tell us what episode you shared on the duck call giveaway post and that'll give you an extra entry hopefully hopefully that's not too confusing that's a lot of stuff going on but uh yeah it's that uh sweet spalted and uh sappy buckeye burl call that i made for myself but uh giving it away to you guys once again this week you've heard about it for like 10 episodes now it's the uh the last two beforehand so we're gonna give it away anyway Today, I've got Chris Alexander of Dunbarton Calls coming on to the show. He's been a uh, good buddy for a long time, an excellent, excellent call maker. He's down uh, another Alabama guy. We keep having guys from the south on here, so got to get some more northern call makers, try to level this thing out, but uh, yeah, pretty excited to talk to him. He's making some really cool stuff, and uh, I just have always loved his style, so without further ado. All right, so I just I did a little intro right beforehand, so everybody that's listening is going to hear the intro jump right into this. So now we're on the line. What's going on with you, brother? Well, like I said before you started that, we're just getting ready for some action tonight, perhaps, but more than likely not. Action. It's, uh, well, down in Birmingham, that's where you're, uh, you're living at. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. We we live in a suburb right outside Birmingham and Birmingham got got pretty nasty last night and um they're talking about some of these folks, probably most of which are out of state, um are gonna be heading into the suburbs, kinda of where I live. So we're just kinda of thinking about that right now. <laughs> and you said you had somebody alert you for your neighborhood to make sure that everything was kinda of ready to go? Yes, we're really considered a separate city, so we have our own mayor, and so we had an alert come out because everybody has their uh, gets a text message if anything's happening in the city. Very wild, dude. That is so. It's just this all craziness going on is very strange, man. Agreed. Was For it your family safe? More importantly, is uh, everybody good up that way and um, staying healthy and. Yeah, man. Everybody up here, you uh, we had like a very very small demonstration in Springfield, but it was it was nothing, man. That was good. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Uh, we're a couple hours from Kansas City and a couple hours from St. Louis, so all that craziness they're on fire up there, kind of like everywhere else. And you know, the, sounds like you're into the world, but Springfield's pretty uh by itself. Yeah, down here in the south. Everything's been so, I mean, 
peaceful up until now. Did it get did it get this bad in like when Ferguson and Baltimore happened a couple of years ago? Did it ever get bad down there in your in uh, Montgomery? No, nothing happened. It's so wild, dude. I know. Well, it's like uh, in Nashville. I think it was Nashville the other night. They burnt down the freaking courthouse or something like that. Yeah, we have a friend. Is that right, Christopher? Did Harrison say something about that? What? about them burning down the courthouse in Nashville. We have a friend that lives up there. We didn't, we didn't hear about that. I can't remember if it was Nashville. I know it was definitely Kentucky or Tennessee, one of the bigger cities. And I guess we should introduce Cap on here, too, because uh, he's kind of a local, not a local legend, but he's a legend in the call-making community. He is a legend. Cap, you want to say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Good. All right, I have to ask you, Cap, who is the best call maker in the world? Uh, my daddy. Oh, I thought he was going to say Brad Samples for a minute. <laughs> he, listen, he's got, up until about two weeks ago, he had uh, all, all the call makers that have sent him calls, he, uh, he would get one. Sometimes he'd get them in the mail before I get the mail. And and um, he had a safe that he kept them in. And I don't know if you heard this story, but there were um, so they were caught. And I didn't know the combination to his safe. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd get all upset because I knew somebody was sending something to him. And I couldn't do what was it. And then he wouldn't let me open the packages. If I ever got to see one, I got to see it for a millisecond, and it was gone. Locked away. That is and too then, funny. And then we got a, um, we, we got a, um, I had uh, Jacob, Jacob uh, Bergdorf build a couple stands, and so I enticed him finally so he could, uh, set him up on his dresser so he, I got to finally see all the calls he had. <laughs> he had them all squirreled away in the safe, man. Isn't that right, bud? He's got a lot, but I got to tell you, and they're all fantastic, but it was a really cool trade with Rob Baker, whose son has autism. And um, I, he sent Christopher at the time, it's been a few years, maybe like three, three or four years, that uh at the time, Christopher was real into Star Wars. And so, Rob built him a call that looked just like a, a Kylo Ren lightsaber. Have you, have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah. I saw a picture of that. Uh, it seems like he built another one recently, too. Well, he, he put one up as, as the memory. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, that thing was so cool, man. Uh-huh. That's so cool. And I built his his boy a uh, Superman call. It had a cape and everything with Superman's arms on it. That's so cool, man. <laughs> and it's those special little projects that are so much fun and just mean so much more. That's something that, uh, you know, it just brings a smile to my face thinking about it. Yeah, there's so many good people. And I'm sure, and I've listened to some of the podcasts, greatest thing about this you know is everybody just keeps saying over and over it's just 
it's a friendship you build. You get to know people's families, and um, that's that's what's most important. That that's what keeps it fun. Well, exactly. Uh, I remember. I can't remember if it was this last year NWTF or the year before. You were sharing Cap's experience with you, and you said that uh, as soon as you had got there to the convention center, you lost him for a while because he was already off talking to other call makers that he knew, yeah. <laughs> and you had to track him down everywhere. You turned the corner, and he was gone with another call maker. And that would have been, I think, that year it would have been uh, Alan Whitson, right? Nice I, th- I think that sounds right. Yeah, it's probably with uh, Alan and, and Brad and maybe Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> Even some bad company, Cap. Even some real bad company. Definitely putting a target on your back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. So tell me about, uh, kind of, how'd you get into call making, brother? Well, unlike some of the guys, it's kind of interesting because uh, unlike some of the guys, I didn't start duck hunting. Uh, I grew up a deer and turkey hunter, as a lot of guys in Alabama do. And I did not duck hunt for the first time until 2000 and either 2011 or 2012 even. And, um, and I'm 51 now, so if that tells you anything, it's it sort of later. <laughs> and, when I did, and when I did it, like most of the guys, it was um, it was on. It grabbed me just like turkey hunting grabbed me a long time ago. And uh, so it was sort of an accident how I actually got the call making. Um, after I'd been twice, in fact, that, that duck season, um, I just, after church one Sunday, I was sitting there with, uh, my family and my mom, my dad has passed away and my mom remarried several years after that. And that, that guy, his name's Jim Caldwell. He, he, at the point, at that point had been a woodworker for like 53 years. Holy cow. And he was, he turned, you know, things like, um, pepper mills and, and, tops for kids he's just a just a gentleman he because all he did was he does it for to give away stuff more than anything else and i just threw it out there almost as a joke <laughs> like hey man falling in love with duck hunting and um you ought to learn to make duck call and, and then teach me and chris i i'm gonna be honest with you i totally forgot about it Totally forgot about it. <laughs> he didn't know, did he? And, and he had no idea. Well, seven months went by, literally. And I had totally forgotten about it at this point. And, um, hold on. Hey, you got, if you're going to talk to my ass, you got to walk over there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had totally forgotten about it. And, um, so again, after church one Sunday at lunch, and he's one of these guys that that doesn't say hardly anything. He's he's constantly thinking. It's it's one of the everybody knows those type of people that just don't say much. They just think, and and he's a guy that just he studies all the time, just all the time. This 
researching things. He's a big ham radio guy, for example. He's just one of those type people. And he came back seven months later at Sunday lunch and was like, is this what you're looking for? And he had figured out how to build build a barrel of a car. <clears throat> and I said, well, yes, sir. Of course, there were two echo polycarbonates in it. And um, went up to the shop, and he had a table set out with diagrams of, like, all these different calls, all kinds of different things, methodology behind it, how to, how to call, all this stuff. And I said, well, will you teach me? And he said, I can, I can teach you to turn, and I can teach you how to build this, but the best thing to do is really, really learn to turn like from a professional. So even a couple months after that, there's a guy named, and I believe his name is Nick Pride, or um, I think it's Nick Pride. He's in um, Marietta, Georgia. And he's, if that's the correct name, I apologize. I can look it back up if I need to, but <laughs> no um, he's a world-renowned turner and to the point where he he goes around the world and teaches people all kinds of tactics of turning or whatever. So my, I guess, stepfather got me a couple lessons with him. He's a guy, have you, have you ever heard a story about the Auburn Oaks? The Auburn Hoax? Oaks, oak trees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the toilet papering? Well, you, you heard about that, but what you may not have heard about is because, of course, Alabama versus Auburn, all of, you know, um, we're big Auburn people, and an Alabama fan poisoned the Auburn Oaks. Yeah, that was, what, 2011? 10? Yeah, that's about around when it was. That's when I lived no, down there, so it was big no, news. It was, a little, it was a little bit after that. But anyway... Auburn commissioned him and he still has those oaks that got poisoned. That That's who I trained with. So uh, when Auburn has like a board meeting or whatever, they'll just call on Mr. Price and say, hey, can you make us some napkin rings or hey, build us some pens for the board and blah, blah, blah. And he has them in dry storage and he has since the guy poisoned them. So <laughs> That, he's a big deal. Anyway, that's that's how I got into it. That's how I learned to turn. And it was about two years of stuffing barrels when I I found call nuts, I guess, two or three years. And um, quickly realized you can't stuff barrels anymore. <laughs> At least not <laughs> posting them in that group. <laughs> so it was trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, and it's probably, I gotta be honest with you, it's probably about four to five years ago, maybe, maybe four and a half years ago, that I started feeling pretty comfortable about my, my sound, etc. Okay? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to my first real trip, uh, real foot, which was, um, oh gosh, I think four years, 
four years ago, at which point I did not enter a cult. I just, that's when I started, I got to meet people and I just had a ball and just fell in love with friendships and the, and, and the camaraderie of call makers. I was like, man, I'm, I'm stuck and I got to learn more. And so I was able to bend all these guys' ears and, and start settling in on a good sound and blah, blah, blah. So I actually entered at Real Foot that following year and came dead last in one of my calls. So, so hey, if Michael Meredith listens to this, that's the year that you were one above me, so you're welcome again. <laughs> but he's not happy about that because he shoots for dead last is what he always says. <laughs> so, anyway, we kid, kid with each other about that. But when, when that happened, I was like, wow, something's got to change. So I reached out to a couple more and I figured out really what the issue was. And that's the point, I guess, three and a half, three years ago that I really felt like I honed in on, on, my, on my sound quality. It's so, kind of that point where it all clicked. It, it all clicked. There, there's been a lot of call makers that have helped me, and I can't remember who, who kind of taught me one of those little secrets, but it, it changed everything. And um, so, yeah, and now I'm here. Talking to, talking to somebody famous called Chris Adam. <laughs> well, if I'm famous for anything, it's not call making. That's for dang sure, brother. <laughs> Uh, well, I told you the only reason I'm gonna do this is call trade. Hey, it's gonna happen, and then that way you can uh, you can show me your tricks and secrets as well. Roger that. Roger <laughs> that. So, so, go ahead, brother. So you probably want to talk a little duck hunting. Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially down yeah. there, I uh, yeah. I lived you know a couple hours south of there, down by Mobile area, and. Uh, Man, I just can't even imagine. I've been through Birmingham a couple of times, just pass her through. I just can't even imagine where you guys are duck hunting down there. Okay. So, the last probably five years, I've been at a place that is, of course, we have to drive through Tuscaloosa, the University of Alabama. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> What we say about our boat? You tell him. So I've got this fire college. Scoot up so he can hear you good. <laughs> I'm talking about this fire college. The Alabama Fire College. The, the Alabama, Alabama Fire College. That's right. <laughs> Bailey Bailey Price, who has, has bought some calls, it, I, we didn't realize that. And Christopher is very, very into everything, firemen, firehouses, fire trucks. And we did not realize that Bailey worked at Alabama Fire College. So Bailey has invited us to come down there, which is awesome. That's so cool, dude. I uh, When I first graduated school, I went to the Missouri. We had uh, in Springfield a fire academy. 
and I was there for a year and a half and I got all my state certifications and I went to my first tryout for our Springfield Fire Department. They had two openings and 150 candidates. And we all, yeah, I had about 100 people that had, we all scored a 99 or a 100, you know, on the exam. And then you had the physical, and everybody is pretty similar, but then you had guys that had been volunteering for 10 years and doing all this different stuff. So I actually went to the Navy so I can continue firefighting. So, yeah, I, I can understand it. I love firefighting. That was, if I, if I didn't have kids right when I got out, I definitely would have continued to pursue it because I love it. Well, thank you very much for your service. I've got a nephew that is uh, that he is he's in the Navy and he is currently training on nuclear submarines. Ooh, I appreciate that. And there is no way on earth we actually had a sub. I was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, and we had a sub that was next to us on the pier. And we had their executive officer come over, and he was in my office talking to us about the sub. And he was like, do you guys want to come take a tour? And I said, with all due respect, sir, absolutely not. No. And he was like, what? And I said, I have absolutely nope. If there's a national emergency, something happens that one five-minute time that I'm on the freaking ship, I do not want to be underway on a freaking submarine. There is absolutely nothing. Nope. I'm claustrophobic. I have nothing to do with that. I do not blame you in the least. And I'm the same way. And it's so funny. We have, uh, I've met so many guys that were in the Submariners. And uh, they were always the tallest freaking guys ever. And when they would yep. walk around, they would walk with their neck at a 45. Even though the ceiling wasn't low. Because yeah, they were so yeah. used to walking like that, they would always walk with their head cocked. Yeah, and, and my nephew's like 6'3". Yeah, no, that's too tall. It's insane. He wanted to be a, a pilot, um, but he got too tall for that. So anyway, but, but the, the reason I brought up um, Tuscaloosa is because in the hunting camp I've been in over the last five years is is there's 500 acre plot on which is just deer turkey and then then you have to drive another 20 minutes um, to another section that's another 500 acre plot that is on the Sipsi River so when it when it flooded just right and we didn't we didn't really manage it well but just because of time but when it flooded just right, you would you would get all kinds of, of birds in there, all kinds, and it would it would naturally create two two ponds. Of course, you could go out on the on the river, and it was kind of a more I, I would consider it more of creeks coming off of the river where the wood ducks would be everywhere. But in those ponds, they would come down the Sipsi River, and if the if everything was just right, you'd have about a mix of fifty percent mallards, fifty percent wood ducks. No lie. That's freaking amazing. I know. We I do know not it's... have wood ducks up here. Uh, we get them like early, early in the season. But other than that, that's like my buddy's dream duck, and uh, we went out and shot one. 
and uh, it was a just a beautiful Drake, and he was all excited, posting pictures on social media. And then we get back to the truck, and, you know, we start putting away our stuff, and he has his, you know, freaking strap. And I was like, tell me you didn't just carry that wood duck all the way back from the hole on your strap. And he's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? I was like, because you just stretched that thing's neck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kill it. I, one time, I, I could swear I heard a pintail. But I never could see it because the pond goes around a bend and they had landed over there. Um, I swear. But I've killed widgeons. Well, the the pintail is like my elusive favorite duck. I actually have a, a bull sprig tattooed on my tricep, and uh, I actually I have shot two of them. Had one sail way off into the freaking weeds because you know I just took a bad shot, got too excited, took a bad shot, and uh, he sailed way off. Sent the dog three hundred yards to the weeds. Just never could retrieve him. And, yeah, uh, I've never, I've never the, even shot a pintail. Well, hey, then the next round, Chris, hold on. Yeah, you're good, buddy. Chris, what do you want to say? You want to say goodbye? Goodbye, y'all. Goodbye, buddy. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you, <laughs> I'm going to send you a call, all right? Yes, sir. But you have to what not let you your, you can't let your dad see it. But he, he, he's walked off. <laughs> But uh, that next year, I went out and uh, I shot one, and it was just cold, dead, right in the freaking decoys. I'm excited. We have birds still working, so we wait, and my buddies, you know, they're hitting the calls and stuff, and I'm texting, you know, different people while I'm waiting these birds to move because I don't care about shooting anything else. I'm happy. I could see no ducks the rest of the day. I was happy as could be. And uh, they worked that group of birds, and, you know, they end up not finishing. And then my other buddy goes, hey, Chris, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? And he goes, look at uh, look at that pintail out there. I was like, yeah, he's maybe 30 yards out in the decoys. He's like, all right, now look over there. And a freaking bald eagle flies in, picks up the freaking pintail, flies across the lake 300 yards away, parks his fat butt down on the bank, and eats it right in front of me. You got to be kidding. I was dead serious, my buddy. Because we give each other a very hard time. You have to have thick skin in our blind, like, you know, most duck hunters. And uh, he's like, dude, I'm not I'm not going to even make fun of you. He's like, I feel bad for you. And I just laughed. I was like, what What can you do, man? <laughs> like, so, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's my elusive duck. I just got, you know, taken out by America. That's hilarious. I love it. Uh, we, uh, you know, there's a place probably uh, I don't know maybe five minutes from Max Prairie Wings that I've been we we go pretty much every year called Slicks um, that we've had some great times at but my all time there's there's actually two. Two favorite spots that I like to go. Hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. Yeah, buddy.
had to grab another cold one. <laughs> I understand. I just finished um, mine off. <laughs> so, there's a place in um, southern Mississippi called Coles Creek that that I go to every year. How far down in Mississippi is that? I mean, it's as south and west as you can get. You from from the top at the campsite, you can see Louisiana. Is it like down by like Bay St. Louis area, or over by like Picayune? Like Brookside. Brookside. I'm trying. Oh, you're thinking like way over on the other side by like Mississippi River area. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got you now. Yeah. Which causes problems, by the way, because when when you get too much rain, just like anywhere else, it floods out too bad. We just can't do it. So, but that's one of my favorite spots. And it and one one funny story from down there is uh, a couple years ago, I guess it was. It was, believe it or not, in southern Mississippi. It was twenty two degrees that morning. Ooh, no way, man. Yes, and um, we're we're having crush ice going through with the eight wheelers, and um, you know you, you almost in those type those type as you know those type temperatures you sort of have to wait it out until um, birds realize that you can. But birds were there, and we knew they were coming, and uh, sure enough. About an hour after daybreak, here they're coming. Here, I mean, they are coming in swarms. So, so I shot a uh, shot a mallard, and it went down, went straight down, and then I saw it die. So I was like, "Son, man!" I, a wing that thing or something and it's swimming so a little bit later another group comes in and we shoot them up and then we send the dogs out and I'm I'm, I'm like what in the world is going on and so the dog gets those birds and I'm I'm frustrated so I was like y'all hold up because I want that was a good mallard so I'll walk over because we never saw it pop back up. Now we were in timber and there's little creeks run off. And I'm thinking maybe it could have swam that far underwater to get on one of those little side creeks. But it, I, was, I had doubts. So I walked out in there and oh, man, that bird had dove and froze underwater. So I reached down and grabbed it and pulled it up, and it looked like a petrified duck. That's insane. Although, uh, when you cripple cripple them sometimes, they'll go under and they'll grab like a, you know, a branch or something like that, and they'll just hide. Is you know they'll end up drowning themselves down there, like clamping onto something and hiding. So I wonder if really? that's what he did, and he froze up. He just froze. That's wild. <laughs> So that's one of my favorite places. And then my second favorite place is down in southern Alabama. Now, it's not, you don't get the large species of ducks down there. Um, 
but you get a lot of wood ducks and all that timber. But it's so fun because at this place, there's people like, I mean, Jeff Sessions goes down there some and, you know, some highfalutin folks. I just get invited because I know a couple people. But you can literally go duck hunt in the morning, kill your limit of wood ducks, then go deer hunting, pretty much kill what you want deer-wise, and then once you eat lunch and you got a couple, couple, three hours, you can go shoot as many hogs as you want to shoot. That's so cool, man. It is a blast. How far down in uh, Alabama is that? It's, uh, here again, it's it's just about as south as you can get and just about as west as you can get. I mean, even further west, Mobile, Jackson and Carlton area. Jackson and Carlton. See, I lived right outside Pascagoula, which is down by, uh, it's like 15 minutes east of uh, Biloxi. Yeah, well, Jackson Carlton is going to be a little bit north of that. Okay, okay, yeah, man, that's... I love that area. It's uh, I haven't been. We actually went down there right before all the COVID stuff kicked off, and that was the first time I'd been down there in like nine years. And we were just doing a little passer through, but yeah, dude, I love that area so much. It's, it's man, it's it's so much fun, and they've got the setups for the uh, for the hog hunting where you get on top of a jeep with the chairs and everything. That's yeah. freaking crazy. I saw a video one time of a... They had like this big lifted... It was almost just a frame with a motor. And it was on like some 50 inch freaking swampers. I mean, they were like 3 feet tall, 4 feet tall tires. And uh, they're rolling through the swamp in Florida. And they had a, a winch up on the flat deck. And they were out there shooting hogs on the flat deck. And then winching them up to them. To like pick them up, it was crazy. I love it. A couple, um, let's see, it's been more like four years ago. I guess it's that Alabama and Tom Bigby rivers collide just about, I think it's about 30 miles north. Is that right? That would be the Alabama, and, yeah, that's right. They, they sort of collide about... Like by Mount Vernon? Right. And and then then you have one major stream that eventually ends up, of course, in the ocean. But here again, if you get too much rain, even that place that I'm talking about floods out terribly. And it was about four years ago had done that a couple months prior to hunting season and we went down there to hunt and there were literally hogs in trees because they had drowned they just had nowhere to go and got washed up in it they got washed up and there's been another time where I I got nervous because there's kind of a horseshoe type river that goes through that hunting property and um, so I was within the horseshoe and we had a ton of rain and I'm sitting in a deer stand and 
the water starts coming up the ladder of the deer stand. Woo. So I started getting a little bit nervous, and they came, they came and got me on a boat. So we got out of there, and the next morning, Chris, they put me in a stand, and it was on the other side of the horseshoe, and I could literally turn my back and watch the deer swimming across. And that, there, I probably saw 50 to 60 deer come right by my stand that morning. <laughs> Jeez, man. And that, that whole area, I remember driving from, you know, Tuscaloosa to Mobile and always looking out the window, you know, around 65 going through that area and just being like, man, I can just imagine all the wildlife because it's just like the swampiness and just the, like, that area of the country is just so open. Like, you have your uh, big city, it. but it's just beautiful. There's so much wildlife out there that there's just, there's nothing like the South. I love it. I love it. That was, you know, with, with the good comes the bad. You got the, you got those nasty mosquitoes, snakes, gators down that way. Do you have any gator problems out there while you're waterfowling, especially when you're down that far south? Well, when, when you're... When you're down at that place or the Coles Creek place, um, if it's warm, you know, not so much, you know, when it's cold, but when it's warm, you, you still got to be pretty leery about the gators. <laughs> you know, if they hadn't gone dormant at that point, you see ripples in the water, it's time to back up. Are you guys standing in the water? Yeah. Nope, nope. You lost me on that, buddy. <laughs> I, I love duck hunting. I love the South, but uh, yeah, no, I'm not gonna be standing in the water with some freaking 11 foot, 12 foot gator. <laughs> they, at that point during the during that season, they're, they're real slow. They don't. They they can be as slow as they. I mean, I can be freaking Usain Bolt fast, but I'm still in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not too far in the water you know you just gotta be a little bit later yeah it, have you ever like do you guys go teal hunting down there and ever have any pro- like if you shoot a bird and you leave it sitting on the water for two minutes while another group's working is that bird gone i have never seen it but at that place they they do tell stories about that happening is that more of like a, a wives tale type of thing or probably yeah, it's you hear about that stuff all the time, and I can only imagine, you know, because I live freaking 40 miles from that place, and there's a damn gator tour place that was right next door to where we were at. So I know they're everywhere down there. They are. The mosquitoes, are. though. The mosquitoes and the gnats. We used to yeah. play uh, baseball and softball and football and stuff, and... Uh, my parents and family used to come down to visit all the time. They'd always come down in August, July, summertime, and they'd be like, it's so hot and miserable and humid. And I was like, yeah, but you should be down here in freaking March when it's 75 degrees and you're walking around in flip-flops and a tank top. I was like, there's two months out of the year that it's miserable, but other than that, it's gorgeous. That's right. But uh, those mosquitoes and gnats are... Ugh, those things will freaking blind you or pick you up and run away with you. 
they'll fly you off somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, other other thing, Chris is uh, I'm looking forward to going back this year. Hopefully with Joe Copeland, but um, I've had the opportunity a couple times to go up to Montana and um, goose hunt. I think that was on the kind of sort off the Missouri. Is that the Missouri River? Yeah, I know the Missouri does flow through uh, Montana, and that's a huge, huge waterfowling area that I think yeah. has been a secret for a long time, but here in the last couple of years, people have been talking about it a little bit more. I've only built a handful, in fact, I'm working on one right now, but I've only built a handful of goose calls, but I have a good friend that lives up there in Helena, and um, he's a huge waterfowl hunter, and uh, he invited me up. And man, what a blast that was! Holy smokes! I've I'd never experienced like the late the whole layout blind. Um, now I don't I don't really love the work that you have to put in, <laughs> in, into it prior to the actual hunt. But I mean, I think we set out five hundred decoys, Woo. full bodies. Yes. Holy yes. cow! Yeah, no, I don't miss those days at all. They, this guy's pulling, pulling a, a closed-in trailer, just chock full of these things, and um, but that is an absolute blast once you're set up. And they're so they're pretty hardcore, so they're they're stuffing the. You get there and you literally stuff the grass that they are locally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the best with layout blinds is uh, you kind of build up the base layer earlier in the season. We used to hunt primarily out of layouts, and um, you build up that base layer, and then you get to wherever you're hunting, and you always uh, thicken it up and make sure it looks good with the local foliage. It kind of always seems to work the best. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an Alabama boy, so I, I get nervous about those real cold days. And so we got up <laughs> got up there and um man it was so pretty when i got there shoot i mean i was worried about snow and all that stuff and um woke up the morning to hunt there's three four inches of snow (laughs) yeah all right all right i'm gonna freeze but after doing all the work to set up everything i was sweating Lord. Well, that's was, that's the worst part is you set up and you do the hours worth of work, two hours worth of work, and uh, you get all sweaty, and then you go to sit in that layout blind, and that wind starts whipping around, and that's when you start getting really cold. Oh no, these layout blinds actually were really warm. Well, that's always good. But then these guys, uh, and we, I mean we shot the heck out of them and then we're one one of the times I can't remember which one it was but one of the times we were leaving and he's one of these guys that makes friends with the local farmers and stuff and, and they just let them hunt the birds which is awesome and um, <laughs> we were coming back down I guess off a mountain and it's like blizzard type yeah, I'm not. I mean, roads covered in <laughs> ice, and they're driving like I do normally on I-65, 
doing 80 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm on the floorboard in the back to the point I got to take a crap. And I was literally saying, y'all need to pull over. I got to take a crap right now. I remember uh, the first time I was down there, I was in Meridian. I was uh, at a school down there, and it, they, we got some snow down there, and it was like the winter of 08, and it snowed like maybe a quarter of an inch. I'm from Missouri. We, When I grew up, we used to get a lot more snow. Now it's a lot more ice and uh, stuff like that, and it, it'll snow like a couple times a week, but it'll never stick, so it's just always nasty and soggy here lately. But uh, man, they sh- you they shut down the state for a quarter inch of snow. People were losing their minds, and I was like, "This is gonna be gone in two hours." <laughs> you know, <laughs> the ground's well, we seventy always, degrees still. Oh yeah, we always shut down. Kids love it, of course. <laughs> but, that, but that time in Montana, coming down off that ice, I guess my stomach got got to being nervous, and so. <laughs> I had to get out, take crap, and I had to lean up against this trailer, and here come some of those, here come some of those, uh, I mean, 50 yards coming down the mountain toward me are these, what do y'all call them, the uh, bighorn sheep? I don't know, we don't got nothing like that, but it sounds good to me. There's these bighorn sheep, <laughs> I mean, they're huge. They're about 50 yards from me, and I'm just taking care of business. I'm going, hey, hey, fellas, are these, are these okay? Are these <laughs> aggressive? <laughs> exactly. That was hilarious. Man, they made so much fun of me. You're running across the field with your pants around your ankles. <laughs> yeah, one of those guys, I brought him down to South Alabama, and we, we really built up the whole gator thing for him because of what he did to me there. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It's, uh, yeah. You came back from, uh, that hump, the one arm bandit after stopping and having to, or not one arm, the one sleeve bandit, <laughs> having to pull over on the side of the road. That's right. That's how it is. Turkey hunting. <laughs> I used to come back from hunting and <laughs> come back with one sleeve. I'm like, oh, you had to go to the bathroom, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yes, yeah. I did. Yep. Everybody's done it. Yeah. <laughs> so, y'all turkey hunt up there? Oh yeah, Missouri. Until the last couple of years, Missouri was the uh, number one state in the in the U.S. for turkeys taken. But uh, the last couple of years, we've had a lot of problems with coyotes and flooding and all that type of stuff, really hurting the hatches. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we definitely we definitely kill some easterns out here. That's for sure. Nice, nice. I love that too. Yeah, it's it's about as close to you can get as waterfowl with the calling, the interaction, working birds. They're turkey are the dumbest damn animal in the world, but they are the most paranoid animal That's in the true. world. So they seem smart until you get two birds in a field, and then you shoot one, and the other one just sits there and looks at them flopping on the ground and you're like really you're not gonna even run <laughs> oh god i know it, it i mean it, it is adrenaline wise it's it's i mean all of it all of it i mean deer hunting upland birds anything all of it's just an adrenaline rush that is 
there's just something about the connection to the outdoors man that uh it's it's so primal and it's in our dna that you know i grew up you know playing sports and being interested in every other thing other like i loved being outside and hiking and doing all that type of stuff and being out on the lakes and the water but uh it wasn't until i was in my early 20s and i started hunting and i spent a lot of time out in the woods that i was like i get it this makes sense this just feels right you know yes it does it does i'm i'm glad my i'm even glad christopher loves it he does a program called outdoor friends forever in alexander city alabama um i have yet to put him in a blind which that's on the to-do list but um they have a program down there that uh it's really really pretty special it they, i mean the whole city comes together they do two weekends each year um for deer, for deer hunting now they have some fishing stuff and that kind of thing too but um christopher just loves deer hunting and so he's been involved in that for probably the past six years and the connections that's why they call it outdoor friends forever is because the volunteers get to be such good friends with the special needs kids it's so neat and it it's they the state has allowed the guy that runs it to actually bait the fields um we used not to be able to bait until uh, I think I think this year was the first year we actually you can bait whatever you want just about and um, but before that the state allowed Jim to uh, bait all his fields so all these kids were able to kill a deer. That's amazing. It, it is. It's really really special, and I've gotten to be good friends with those guys, and they they're just. The whole, like I said, the whole community comes together where, like, even grandparents come out to the lodge and they cook dinner and lunch, and it's really, really neat thing that they do. So I'm glad he's involved in it. My daughter, she loves, she loves, she loves duck hunting. I've never gotten her really in. I've taken her to. Um, there's a waterfowl preserve in Alabama, you know, pen raised ducks and that kind of done done that with her and she loves it, but she really loves upland birds. She loves shooting quail and pheasant like nobody's business. Do you guys have really... a big population of those down there? No, they are pen raised. That's what I was gonna say. We don't have crap. We have some quail out here, but we're we don't have a damn pheasant to be seen. No, they're all pen raised, but she still loves it. And I'd love her I'd love to take her out to the Midwest and do do some real real stuff, but you know, money. Money. Oh yeah. It's, money. it's big money, man. <laughs> Unless you wanna walk ten miles across big huge giant fields and yeah, yeah. That's that's a lot of walking for damn sure. Make friends with farmers. That's right. You get them to uh get the combines and start rolling down one side of the field and you just stand at the other side of it at the road and wait for all the pheasants to start running across the road that's right i got <laughs> shot one time by uh i worked for blue cross and and uh 
one of our executives actually shot me. What? <laughs> he, he pulled a Dick Cheney. <laughs> Get out of here. So he shot you on purpose is what you're saying. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> No, he he was he was a good ways off, and it it kind of rolled up my pants. But I always say I got shot by my executive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never let him live it down. That's for dang sure, man. <laughs> and sadly, he he's that guy, man. He could shoot. Lord have mercy. <laughs> So you talked about the community and everybody coming together. What has it meant to you to see that the way the call making community and everywhere that uh, you guys have gone? What is it? What has it meant to you to see everybody? It, like I said, Cap is a, a superstar in the call making world. You know, it, it, everybody loves him. He he seems like an amazing kid. What has it meant to you just for the whole community just to take them in as just their their own, you know? I don't know, Chris. It, I, it's hard to really put in words, to be honest with you. It's just beyond something I can even imagine. It, you know, it's been a struggle for Christopher to develop peer friends for obvious reasons. And, um, you know, if you think about your childhood growing up, I mean, did you ever hang around a special needs kid? No. I mean, I didn't when I was growing up. I didn't, you know, and looking back now, of course, from my perspective now, I sure wish, sure wish I could have changed that and done something different. Um, but as a parent to him and, having taken him with me to the first place we went was the NWTF and man I I, I really don't know how to express the gratitude that I have for what these other call makers have done they have built up his confidence um, to, to a degree that that's Unimaginable. Even after that very first NWTF trip, there was a change in him that he just came back and had had confidence and and he just kind of, he always wanted to talk to Crazy Allen. You know that's, what we <laughs> that's right. Crazy Allen and Bald Brad. That's what he called him. <laughs> and, and, and and so. After that first NWTF, that's when he came back. And he decided he was he wanted to be a call maker. That's so, awesome. So we just worked with him a little bit, and he just made some kind of crazy barrels and sent them to Allen and Brad, and then stuffed them with an echo. And, and you know, I don't know. It, it's just Shane Gilliland has played a big part in that. I don't know if you're familiar with Shane. He, He's got lives up in the Boaz area, Alabama. And he's gotten to meet him. He's been a good friend of Christopher. I don't know. It's just, it's just a big fat thank you, to be honest with you, because it's it really has changed his world. I think the impact that Cap has made on everybody that's seen your guys' posts and 
everybody that's met him, I'm sure, is so much more. I don't like I, I I just see it myself, you know, and just logging on. And I remember watching that that Indiana Jones video you guys made, and it just it just brought a huge smile to my face. It was you know it's it's just so awesome. And uh, you know, like I said, I I I want to get to some of these events so I can start meeting more guys. But it's just been really amazing to watch, and I just. I look forward to meeting him, man, because he just, like I said, he seems so funny and, uh, you know, just crazy enthusiastic. (laughs) He is so much fun. And, well, let me tell you, it hasn't always been real easy. Oh, I can (laughs) imagine. It's been a problem, especially when when he was younger. He, um, man, you could, oh, my God, it was... I mean, he would, because he, he, he still, he's 16 and he can't read, but at least now he he actually can look at his phone and he can play a little bit on Xbox, but he has no interest in TV and he had none of that up until just maybe three years ago. And so you were on, you had to be on point all the time with him. Because I was scared to death all the time that he was going to hurt himself because he'd go off on a four-wheeler. He, he disappeared on us one time down at Disney World. Oh, and I God. Thought, I thought, God, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, I can and, imagine. And it, it was just, yeah, I don't know. But now, you know, most people are like, oh, my God, they've hit puberty. And it gets worse. He's just actually chilled starting adolescence and everything and gotten into Xbox stuff so he, he just gets more and more fun every day and he is the hardest damn worker that you'll you will ever meet in fact he just came in when you were talking to him he was for no reason at all chilling up a garden I, I don't know what got in his brain that we needed a garden so <laughs> right. he tilled up a little plot for a garden. I, I don't have anything to do a garden. <laughs> right. I guess now you're going to be going to the store if it's still there. <laughs> now I'm going to the store <laughs> to get some tomatoes and stuff. <laughs> you're like, I don't know about planting tomatoes, but I'm going to figure it out, I guess. I, I don't know anything about all that, but here we go. And that's what it, that's what he's about. He wants a, uh, we just sold our, um, we sold our hunting golf cart, and I told him we could because since he turned 16, he, you know, you got to be able to read to drive a car. So he really wanted wanted a um, he really wants a Honda Pioneer. We've researched everything, the safety features on everything, blah blah blah. So it's a side by side like a Polaris, easier to drive. We've test driven them, and he really wants that. So we're um, so we. I told him I'll sell my hunting golf cart. I'm not gonna sell my four wheeler, but I'll sell the hunting golf cart. And he's been doing pressure washing, and he's been working his butt off to try to raise money. But we're 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 gonna get him that. We're we're gonna, you know, if he can if he can raise a little bit more money, we'll end up getting it for him. Heck yeah! Well, you get him. 
get him out there in the shop turning some barrels and start waffling some of those suckers off and we'll help raise him <laughs> some money man that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate it brother i know you got some uh some crazy stuff going on to keep your eye out you started off saying you were thinking 30 minutes but we've been going an hour oh okay dude it's well, a time it goes by quick well, doesn't it man yeah i enjoy talking to you chris dude we and need I to do it more often well i hope that um i hope that you can make it to real foot or, or nwtf and i'm i'm dedicated to going to call blues this next go round I, I sure i missed going this year and never been and um i'll be darned if i'm gonna miss that one man i would have went and i was planning on going to it we had a trip planned for new orleans and uh we had done everything like three months beforehand and that was like the last weekend before the corona stuff got crazy and uh, we were talking about it that week leading up to it. I was like, I think maybe we should cancel the trip. I don't know. New Orleans is pretty damn crazy. And I was like, well, if I if we cancel the trip, I'm going to Arkansas anyway. Like, so if you want to yeah. go on vacation, we might as well go because we're either going to New Orleans or Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So take your uh, pick, honey. <laughs> right stuff. But yeah, brother, I will. Uh, I'm definitely planning on real foot. I don't know about Nashville. It's a little bit farther for me, but I mean, it's not that far. It's like seven, eight hours, but real foot's only four. I have no excuse except for hunting. So I definitely want to get out there. Definitely want to hang out with the guys, meet everybody. And I don't know. It's just been so much fun, man. I really enjoy this stuff. I really enjoy, you know, having these, these types of conversations way more than the, the pictures posted on Facebook or the comments on a call cool job man good job like you know all that stuff's cool but it's this in-depth stuff is just so much more enjoyable to me yeah and i'm humbled that you asked me to be on this so i i really appreciate that i'm i'm nowhere in the top tier like a lot of those guys i'm just a guy that has a passion passion for it and has a passion for the friendships as well so i, I really appreciate you, chris I appreciate you giving me some time, man, and I hope you. Uh, I hope everything stays good tonight and the weeks coming up, and you, you and the family stay safe, man. All right, likewise, brother. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, and you take care, okay? You too. All right, have a good night, buddy. All right, bye bye. Thanks. All right, that was Chris Alexander from Dunbarton Calls, and uh, Cap was also joining on there too. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, make sure to get in on that duck call giveaway. Two more episodes sometime this week. It's going to be thrown up there. So uh, if you haven't done it, you're wasting your time. There's been a few guys that have shared every single episode. So that's 23 chances that they have. If you've only subscribed, that's one chance of your 23 chances. So you only got a few days to share them. And if you turn this thing off before you heard this, you just missed out on that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You have a great night.